dismantling systemic oppression, strengthening local economies, fostering equity and inclusion, cultivating communities for social good. We are motivated to leave the world a more just and compassionate place than we found it. A lofty goal? Maybe. An unreachable goal? Absolutely not. This is Impact Out Loud, the podcast that empowers bold impact for good, powered by Prospera Partners. Your hosts, Vicky Pazaban, Eileen Everett, and Ray Miller, aren't pulling any punches. They are diving deep, unpacking the challenges facing the nonprofit and social sectors, what is and isn't working, and offering systems-level solutions to address the truly transformational leadership that's needed for social enterprises to better their communities. This is the Impact Out Loud podcast. Now here are your hosts. Hello, everybody. I'm Vicki Pazabon. Welcome back to the Prospera Partners Powered Podcast. <laughs> well, that's now our vocal warm-up. We've decided <laughs> that helps us get started. Welcome to Impact Out Loud. Happy to be back with you all. And Eileen and Ray are here with me today. And we've got a great conversation to get us kicked off. But I want to say hi to both of you. So, hey, Eileen, how are you? I am doing great, and I am super excited that Vicki and Ray are not making me say Prospera Partners Powered Podcast five times fast because I'm not sure that I could. But it warms uh, your it warms your vocal cords in your it's mouth. It's true. So we invite all of our listeners to to practice on your own. And Ray, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing great. Excited to keep digging in deeper together, getting to know each other more, and sharing that with all of our listeners. Wait, don't we know each other a lot? But there's we always do. more to know. I feel like <laughs> we, we still are learning more. I feel like there's something you told us the other day that I was, that none of us knew, but me, we're always learning. what did I tell you? I always love as facilitators when we ask our clients and we're in situations that we say, tell, tell everybody something that they don't know about you. And then oh, yeah. we have to do that for ourselves <laughs> too. We always kind of sit there scratching our head, but we still come up with things all the time. That's true. Well, now I'm I really curious what I told you. Emerging leaders. There's something that you shared, but we don't have to go down that rabbit hole, but I now I, I can't remember. remember. It's been a while. All right. Well, it's been a, yeah, it's been a few months. <laughs> it's been all a right. few months. It might've been a lie. Is that possible? No, I wouldn't do that. I would no. never do that. Never. <laughs> well, that is our topic today is to really get to know more about each other, about ourselves in the work that we do, right? We want to talk about what really is our personal journey in coming to this work and coming into transformational leadership work and doing the type of consulting and facilitation that we do as a team. So that's our conversation. So I'm going first, right? <laughs> yeah, let's start. Let's start with Vicky. <laughs> All right. Well, what do you want to know about me? I guess the, the story that I really wanted to share, um, and we I may have mentioned this before on this podcast when we first started, but when I was an executive director for several years, working in the local economy movement work, working for a local first organization that supported local independent businesses, and business owners. Um, I was in a national fellowship program for those of us doing that type of work. And 
I was a new executive director. I had never been an executive director before. I had worked in the nonprofit sector as um, an executive assistant and a development director um, and had worked with lots of nonprofits on the admin side, but had never been in that type of leadership role. And so for me, that fellowship program was about connection to other executive directors doing similar work and what we were facing in our communities and who we were as leaders. And one of the things that was really important was connecting with other folks in in a leadership position where the community put you into a space, right? Like I was I was a mouthpiece for our members. I was an advocate on their behalf. I became a punching bag in some instances too. You know, they they needed somebody to blame. <laughs> they also needed somebody to call when they needed the support and the resources. So I was all of those things. And a lot of us in that work in leadership positions as executive directors were facing those issues. And how do you be that person in community, you're not, you're not the mayor, you're not city council, you're not county commissioner, but you're in a role that is very public facing, very community supportive, policy making, and supportive of the community, the workers, the labor, um, the infrastructure. And it was a very strange position to be in. And in our fellowship program, one of the facilitators introduced this concept of transformational leadership and what does that really mean and how to be a transformational leader but you can't you can't really be a transformational leader and change the systems around you without changing yourself without your own support system your own mechanisms of leading and we as a group couldn't continue to move forward together as a movement without knowing what we needed as individual leaders and as a group of leaders together. And so that concept of transformational leadership and the I, we, it framework stuck. And it, it just, it hit me so hard. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm with a group of folks that I can identify with. I have a support system now embedded I have people I can reach out to for support. And we as a group can now bond and figure out how do we continue to support each other? How do we continue to support the work and the movement? And that was huge. It was huge for me. It was huge for us as a group in the fellowship. And it was huge for the work and the movement we were creating together. Because when you're working in that world, you're fighting you know, big corporate money, you're fighting corporate lobbyists, you feel very isolated and alone. And it was the first time we all felt really, truly as though we were working together. And that for me translated into developing this consulting business of how do I continue to use that transformational leadership and work with my clients through that framework, even if they were a solo business owner, even if they were a nonprofit leader, even if they were a government entity leader in an agency, government agency, how could we use that framework? And so that's where I just kept moving along through that journey. And what's interesting, I think, for me is I always bring 
I bring that personal side to it that I've been through that journey, but I also learn so much from those that I'm in that journey with as the clients, as the facilitated group we're working with. I'm constantly learning. And so that's a big part of the journey. And it's a big part of what I see as being a lifelong learner, but also constantly looking through that lens. Can I jump in and ask a question? Yeah, yeah, totally. Because I was about to jump forward to a client story, but I don't want to do that. So go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I think we'll, we can save it for next time. But I feel like we started with you being an executive director, but I'd love to maybe hear a little bit even before, like, who was Vicky before even being mm. executive director, right? Because there must have been some type of journey before even getting into that position. And I know that contributes to how you show up to the work as well. Yeah, I think that's a great question for me to think about. You don't have to answer it now. We can we can move along and we can come back to it. <laughs> yeah, let's. Okay. I so I have I actually have maybe a little bit easier question for you, Vicky. Oh um, gosh. In, okay. In relation to your story. So I'm thinking about how you talked about working with communities and how you were wearing multiple hats. You had to be the listener and the mouthpiece, the punching bag and the advocate and other roles. Looking back based upon what you know today, maybe that you didn't know back then, what are just some learnings, what worked, what didn't work of having to be in the role of wearing multiple hats at the same time? Yeah, what really started working was when we were bringing together our business members in conversations. What is it you need? What do you want? How can we serve you? And instead of me thinking that I had all the answers, right, as an executive director, we tend to get stuck in that ego trap that we are in the position of leading. We need to know everything and we need to tell everything what those things are. And so I feel like for me, a big, like a floodgate opened when I thought, you know what, this is about the members, let's ask them and let's bring them into a situation where we can have that conversation. And I brought in facilitators who could host those conversations. And I didn't participate. I, I participated in the conversations, but I didn't participate as at the front of the room in a facilitator role. That was a huge moment in our work. And it was bringing together different groups of business owners for different topics, issues that we're facing, that we were facing in the community and whatever. So that was a big moment for me, for sure. And okay, now I can go back to who am I before that, because I think that because I do have a theater background and my master's degrees in theater directing and playwriting, I, I kind of have this natural thing of like, let's, let's approach things in a more creative way and bring people together to talk about. Because when you're first talking about doing a show together in theater, you talk about like, what are the themes? How do you want this to look? What, you know, there's a collaborative feeling often, not always, <laughs> but hopefully there's a collaborative feeling. That's the way that I worked in theater. It was very collaborative. I wanted to work with the designers and have their feeling and input. And I liked being in that collaborative space. And so that is a big part of where I came from and bringing that forward into the work that I was doing. And I think on an admin side, when I became 
an executive assistant and a development director, I never felt those collaborative roles. It felt very much like you work for the executive director, you work for the board. And I did not enjoy the work that I was doing. It, it sounds like you're really naming transactional versus relational. Oh, totally. I mean, yes. that collaborative nature of yep. what you experienced in the theater world of working together, that's really rooted in relationships versus here's a task list, hierarchical. Yep. All Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I'll say that some of those jobs were my favorite jobs. I worked for an international youth circus called Circus Smirkus on the East Coast in Vermont. And <laughs> I loved the work that we were doing because the the youth were collaborating to create a show together. I loved it. It was so much fun. But I was on the admin side. And the collaboration for me was learning about the programs, learning from the kids, how could I use that to raise funds and do development work as a development director. And so I had to kind of figure out how to be collaborative on the admin side and wished that I was on the creative side, <laughs> if that makes sense. So I'm curious if we can maybe move to Ray and hear a little bit more about you, Ray, and your story. Yeah, of course. Thank you, Eileen. And, and thank you, Vicki, for sharing. And uh, I feel like I was reminded, too, of what's been helpful working with Prosper Partners is actually getting some language around what my path has been. I know I've moved very like instinct with instinct and intuitively. And I know from the outside, it's not always something that has made sense to others. But I know I'm always working to get more ali in alignment with the things that I know I want to be doing or, or want to be working on or feels right. Not that there's a clear like right and wrong. It's always, you know, the shifting guidepost. I'm definitely somebody who's always been rooted by community. I think that's absolutely something that has been a key and central theme through everything that I've done. Before we got on this call today, I, I was talking about really having this kind of triangulated experience. And when I think about it, I think about that even like geographically, but even professionally, right? I, I have this background in urban planning, but was drawn to really like the service and social impact side of things, which is what drew me into nonprofit sector. But I have always been people and community driven and working with Vicky at the local business alliance really got me food systems oriented. And I worked in the food sector a lot with uh, restaurants who were really centered around that and really were, you know, massive drivers to community interaction in the communities that they engaged with, right? Like local restaurants can be a central point to food systems, to gathering, to knowing chefs, to, you know, there's layers of community experience in that. And in the last like four or five years, I've been really uh, focusing on my creative path and art path. And that's been very community centered as well. It's not just me in a studio alone, which it is a lot, but a lot of it is also going out to shows and events and markets and meeting other artists, other creatives who are really a driving force in our communities. So I feel like triangulated by those things. And then also I said geographically because I do feel very invested in every place that I've lived and I continue those relationships even if I'm not there presently. 
I'm from Cincinnati originally. I still throw events there. I still have relationships there. I still connect with the place. Lived in the Bay Area for seven plus years. I just recently left, but I still see that as a place where I have relationships, community, plan on continuing engagement. And now I'm back in New Mexico, a place where my family's been for almost 20 years, where I started working with Vicky back in 2009. And again, proof that just because I don't live somewhere doesn't mean that relationship. And so for me, that relationship building, being creative, um, I think a huge driver for me as well is to not just accept maybe that path that's set out in front of us, right? Like we're often shown like, okay, you do X, then Y, then Z, and then that's the path and move up in leadership. And and there you go. That's That's the trajectory. And I don't think I've ever moved in that way. Um, and so it's made things maybe a little bit more challenging to navigate sometimes, but I do think back to what I was saying in the beginning, it's really made me go more into alignment with the things that I want to see in the world and really challenging that creativity piece. I was also writing down notes and I wrote down rebellious. Cause I feel like that's actually always been who I am as well as a bit of a rebel. I mean, I grew up in conservative Ohio with progressive parents. So I was very rebellious, kind of retaliating against my environment. And a shift for me was really leaning into like, what can we build instead of always being against something? And I think that's something we also try to foster in our work as well. So there's a lot I could say. I've worked in many places for many people doing many things. And again, ultimately, I think that served me in this work because I can relate to many types of people doing many types of work in many environments. And I don't think that always makes sense to some people, right? My artist friends might not understand this type of work or our clients might not even know that I'm an artist or things like that, or that I bartended for a while. <laughs> um, but it all, it all feeds how I can uh, relate and connect and uh, cultivate with community. I want to just jump in here and say your lived experience, Ray, is really what I've always admired. And I mean, I've known you since you were 19 years old, which is wild, but you've always sought experiences that gave you insights, relationships, experience to build on. That's just my perception of you. And your lived experience is what you bring to the table all the time. And I love that about you. And I think it's an important piece that we often don't do, right? We often just say, here's what I've done. Here's who I am. Here's my skills. And I believe strongly in the lived experience and bringing that because you can apply for jobs that you have no qualifications for in terms of skills and still be hired if you truly bring lived experience to it. And I think that's an important thing as as our world starts to change even more with shifting jobs, shifting roles, remote versus in a person office experiences, you know, people are just changing and shifting and the workforce doesn't look like it used to. And there are no direct paths like there used to be. And none of us has taken a direct path. 
Right. I have a, I have a quick question for you just thinking, and I'm not even only thinking about your experience in urban planning, but I feel like so much of your story, how you related it to the listeners is really about being rooted in place. What do you see in terms of the connection between connection to place and transformational leadership? Ooh, that's such a good question. Yeah, I feel like for me, I just take it pretty seriously. I don't just show up to a place. And I think that's really important. I think about how I moved to the Bay Area, right? I I landed in Oakland and I really spent the first year or two as almost a fly on the wall. I was going to events and public meetings and sitting down with coffees with folks and really not inserting myself into much at all besides just, you know, having my job as working with a family services nonprofit. Um, and it really let me connect with the place in a deeper way where I know sometimes it's kind of easy to just show up and expect things to be a certain way or how you're used to it. And I think in that way, you really get to understand like the people, the history, and you have more of that context that helps you, you know, show up in the ways that you can or need to instead of, I don't know, just drawing from like expectations that are maybe not grounded in what is real in that place. Like I think, again, Cincinnati, Oakland slash the Bay Area and New Mexico are very, very different places. And if I didn't take the time to actually understand these places, like applying a Cincinnati mindset to New Mexico doesn't really make sense. It it doesn't have the same industries. Governance doesn't operate in the same way. How people connect with the place is different. How it's evolved is different. So I think I mentioned that in our very first podcast of, you know, we we sometimes neglect thinking about the physical and built environment when we're doing systems change work, when that's what's really grounding all of us, right? We all live in a place. We're all connected by a system in the place. Mm -hmm. But this is a topic I could go on forever. (laughs) And maybe there'll be a future episode where we get more into that. But I do want to make sure we leave time for Eileen, who is also, you know, navigated your own path in your own way. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah, I think I'd love to share my story about transformational leadership and, and getting to the work and continuing the work through kind of that personal end of things of for many years, I became a master of having two me's in the world. I had work me and non-work me. And I was really, really good at keeping those two people separate in the world. And I think back to this shared piece that I think all humans have, which is all of us are seeking to be seen and heard and valued. We all are seeking a sense of belonging. And for me as a human, thinking back in my early years, I felt like I was, I didn't belong. And it took me a long time to realize that for me, that was because I was gay and queer. And of course I didn't feel like I belonged because I didn't in the world. And, and it took me a long time to, to be able to realize that. But the time I realized that and really started getting to a place of self-acceptance of, of me was really when I was entering the workforce and 
in my early years working as a biologist um, and then moving over towards working with youth. And I now understand that I w- was so drawn to working with youth because I didn't necessarily feel seen or valued when I was young and really wanted to provide that experience for youth um, and was able to do that through my work in the nonprofit sector. I really realized in my 20s in the workforce that that being gay wasn't really an option. I saw people all the time who were fired or removed from their positions or demoted or transferred. That was a real thing that was happening. And it still happens today. I think a lot of people don't want to realize that, but that level of discrimination still happens um, for all different marginalized communities, including the LGBTQ plus community. And the way that I handled it was really splitting myself into two people. I had the work me that was known as being super professional, dependable. I could get things done. I worked often a ton of hours and, and moved up with an education, became a director of education and eventually an executive director, had built a really strong professional reputation. And I'm still really proud of that. And I did that while also splitting myself because I had the non-work me, which was super gay and out with, with various folks. And, and I had to kind of protect that side of myself or so I thought. And, and it, you know, multiple truths. It was, it was also true that I had to protect that part of myself. And I think for me, transformational leadership really opened my eyes to, I don't need to split me. I can just be me. And I think back to when I did Emerging Leaders back in 2017, it was my second year as an executive director. And I had really committed when I was an executive director that I was going to be very out and visible as part of the LGBTQ plus community by design, because I was ready to do that. I was, I've been married to just the most wonderful human being now for years. And I wasn't going to hide that from the world. That's part of who I am. I'm not going to hide my spouse. I'm not going to hide who I am. And it's important, um, I think, for those in positions of leadership to bring visibility to those marginalizations that might be less visible. And I did that as an, as an ED, as an executive director, um, as soon as I started in that role. And what I really saw in my work in emerging leaders and being introduced to transformational leadership is on day one, I walked into the room and Vicky was facilitating. And I don't even think Vicky knows that this happened, but what tends to happen with LGBTQ plus folks consciously or unconsciously is we tend to like sit next to each other. Sometimes we're aware of it. Sometimes we're not aware of it. I think it's a safety thing or other things that might be going on for us. And, and I ended up sitting next to another queer woman And uh, the way that that session was opened up was not just the superficial, like, who are you professionally, but who are you really as a person? And I had this really great conversation with this, with this queer woman. And we really built this camaraderie very quickly uh, in that space. And it, it, for me was that realization of, I don't need the two me's anymore. I just Mm -hmm. need me. And when I hide that queer part of myself, I hide the best part of part of me. I just need to be me. And when I stopped splitting myself, oh my gosh, it was like, like everything lifted. It felt, it was this huge sense of relief and I still feel it today. And honestly, I don't think I could go back. I can't mm-hmm. be two me's anymore. It's not, it's not even an option. So thank you, Vicki, for opening that door for me many, well, many years ago. Uh, thank you. Thank you for bringing your entire whole self to it and not splitting it off into sections. Um, and 
well, now I'm all emotional and I just lost my train of thought. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I just appreciate that you always bring that. You bring your whole self. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. I, I don't remember what we were working on, or maybe it was the second year that we were working together in the Emerging Leaders Program and you were co-facilitating. Or maybe when I was working with you when you were a client. I can't remember. Anyway, that's a whole other story that Eileen was a client and a facilitator with our program. You said to me, I really want to find my group, like my thing, my people to be in community with, to do more of this work with. And it might have been that conversation that I was like, maybe she should just be a facilitator. <laughs> like maybe that's your group that you really need to be with. And that's probably when Everett Hill and I said, this is who needs to be in this program as a facilitator. So I remember that moment. And I remember thinking, that is who Eileen is. You're a seeker. You are a, a truth sayer and a seeker and a truth seer. Like you really get to the heart of things by seeing the truth in others and by allowing them to safely bring that truth forward. I love that because I feel like that's how we all aspire to show up to the work. And I wonder if that's a good bridge into what we're going to talk about in our next episode is us coming together through Prospera Partners and how we're really trying to live our values in our work and how we show up for each other, for our clients and the things that made us who we are or make us who we are, are always feeding into, you know, how we're navigating these challenges together. Okay. Let's, let's talk about that next time. I love it. Great. So let's wrap it up for today. Thank you both so much for sharing so much about yourselves and allowing for that space to happen for each other as always. And I would love to know, we're going to introduce a new segment called AHA or what the fuck. So AHA or WTF moment. So based on our little conversation that we just had, what is your AHA moment or your WTF moment? I'll jump in with a quick AHA of just maybe reaffirming the knowing that we really are three very different individuals who have had three very different paths, but there is this through line of community and showing up as ourselves and willingness to do differently that has really allowed us to connect and work well together. And I think that was just reaffirmed through this conversation today for me. Nice. Eileen? Yeah, I think similarly for me, it's it's seeing the similarities and then celebrating the differences in our journeys. Hmm, nice. How about for you, Vicki? Well, my aha moment is super gay. <laughs> I love <laughs> when you say super gay. And when you say sometimes we need to queer up this space. We need yeah. to queer up this situation. And I love when you do that. So that's my aha moment for today. Thank Love you it. both so much. We're going to be back next time and we're going to talk even more about this work and how we do it together. So thanks for tuning in and we'll be back with you next time. Thank you for listening to the Impact Out Loud podcast, the podcast that empowers bold impact for good, powered by Prospera Partners. If you liked what you heard, Subscribe to Impact Out Loud wherever you get your podcasts and follow Prospera Partners on your favorite social media. 
If you are inspired to make community-based solutions and systems change, Prospera Partners offers workshops and programs that are open to all. For more information, visit prosperapartners.org. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, be well and do good.